Welcome to A Feminist in Progress, the podcast that's about that sweet, sweet love. In today's episode, we're continuing our journey through Bell Hooks' book, All About Love, New Visions, by exploring the chapter, Romance, Sweet Love. Get ready to question everything you thought you knew about love as we delve into the harmful in cultural constructions surrounding romantic relationships. Here, I'll be discussing how to redefine our ideas about love to be more inclusive and supportive of all types of relationships, and how love can be a powerful tool for personal and societal transformation. This is, perhaps, the chapter that resonated with me the most. Throughout the series, we talked about love. After all, we are talking all about love. But this one, in particular, focuses on romantic love. Before meeting my romantic partner, who, depending on when you're listening to this, is either somebody I'm about to marry or am already married to. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, before meeting him, I was relatively unlucky in finding someone to love and who will love me back. I also used to believe that I was unworthy and unlovable because I was such a work in progress and such an imperfect person. I used to buy into the idea that my happiness would come from finding a romantic partner. That's because of what the rom-coms and the sitcoms I grew up on led me to believe. I used to see myself in sitcom characters like Ted Mosby, and I also used to believe that the one was somewhere right around the corner. I even, at some point in my life, kind of like tried to manifest this thing where by the time the series finale of How I Met Your Father would air, I would have already met the father of my now non-existent children. <laughs> anyway, the short story version of it all is that I used to think that I would find the one before Ted Mosby would. <laughs> now, many people believe that romantic relationships will rescue and redeem them, but in this chapter, Hook says that true love can only redeem us if we are ready for it. See, often we construct a false self in childhood she says, because we feel unworthy of love. And then as adults, we fall into romantic relationships with people who fall in love with our false selves. But when glimpses of our real selves emerge, disappointment comes. This confirms the message received in childhood that nobody could love us as we really are. What I've come to learn from this chapter is that many of us are not prepared to receive love when we enter romantic relationships. We believe that no matter what we experienced in childhood, romantic love will be ours. We believe that we will meet the person of our dreams, or that, especially for those straight women, our prince will come. However, Hooks says we are not really clear about what we want from them, or how we will make love, and by that, I don't really mean S-E-X. This illusion of romantic love 
perpetuated by movies and the media, stands in the way of our learning how to love. Love is an act of will, not just a strong feeling. Love is an intention and a decision, a judgment and a promise. It is, as she's been saying throughout the book, a will to nurture one's own or another's spiritual growth. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be religious growth when we say spirit when we say spiritual growth but if i were to take that definition and kind of put my own spin on it i would just think of love as your willingness to nurture your own or another's growth approaching romantic love with care knowledge and respect intensifies romance says hooks By communicating with potential partners about our desires and intentions, we can overcome our fear and anxiety about romantic interactions. Needless to say, it's about open and honest communication, as simple and at the same time as complicated as that. This way, we can be at ease with each other sexually and emotionally. We can choose to love instead of falling in love. And that choice will help us build lasting relationships. She also says that erotic attraction is often the beginning of an intimate connection between two people. But it is not a sign of love. I personally had to learn this the hard way a few years ago. And also a few years before that. And also a few years before that. Basically, I had to learn for almost a decade that erotic attraction is not a sign of love. Hooks also says that people can have exciting and pleasurable sex with someone they don't even know. She says most men think that their sexual desire indicates who they should love. This pressure to perform sexually can make them ignore everything else and end up in relationships with partners with whom they share no common interests or values. Women, on the other hand, at least straight women, are rarely solely attracted to men on the basis of erotic connection, she says. They are more concerned about emotional connection because they are socialized to be more concerned about it. Women can speak about their hunger for love, but it doesn't mean that they find the love they long for. Many people settle for lovelessness because they are attractive to other aspects of a partner's makeup. The intensity of sexual intimacy doesn't always lead to respect, care, trust, understanding, and commitment. At least that's what Hook says, and I think... Thinking back on my experiences during my 20s, these were things I had to learn the hard way. And these are things that I don't really want to talk about anymore, even despite the fact that, oh, this is a podcast where vulnerability can be one of the things that can help humanize me. But I also don't want to, you know, open up old scars and bleed through things that have already healed, as far as I know. Anyway, going back to what Hooks says in the book, she says that 
Couples who rarely or never have sex can know lifelong love. She claims that sexual pleasure enhances the bonds of love, but they can exist and satisfy when sexual desire is absent. Most people would choose great love over sustained sexual passion if they had to. At least that's what she says. Luckily, they usually have satisfying erotic pleasure with their loved ones. Then Hooks also says something in this chapter that I know will stick with me from some time. She says, The best sex and the most satisfying sex are not the same. She says that sex can be great with people who don't love us or treat us well. Women tend to put sexual satisfaction in its, in its appropriate perspective because they acknowledge its value without allowing it to become the absolute measure of intimate connection. Enlightened women want fulfilling erotic encounters as much as men, but they ultimately prefer erotic satisfaction within a context where there is a loving, intimate connection. Hooks says that if men were socialized to desire love as much as they desire sex, we could see a cultural evolution. Even though sex matters, most of us are no more able to articulate sexual needs and longings than we are able to speak our desire for love. Hooks says the presence of STDs or sexually transmitted diseases has become the reason more people, more couples communicate with each other about erotic behavior. Beyond that, I think the discourse of consent has also allowed couples to communicate with each other more about erotic behavior. Lots of people who feared a loss of romantic and or erotic intensity made this radical change in their thinking and were surprised to find that their previous assumptions that talk killed romance we're actually quite wrong. We are all capable of shifting our paradigms, the foundational ways of thinking and doing things that become habitual. We are all capable of changing our attitudes about falling in love. We can acknowledge the connection we feel when we meet someone new as just that, a mysterious sense of connection that may or may not have anything to do with love. We can also change our language and instead of saying, I think I'm in love, we can say, I've connected with someone in a way that makes me think I'm on the way to knowing love. There's a difference, subtle but significant. Or instead of saying, I am in love, we can say, I am loving or I will love. Our patterns around romantic love are unlikely to change if we do not change our language. At least that's what Hooks claims. I even like one particular rephrasing there. I've connected with someone in a way that makes me think I'm on the way to knowing love. So when people ask me about my partner and what it's like to be in a relationship with him, I'll say just that. I've connected with someone in a way that makes me think I'm on the way to knowing love. True love is a special connection that we may have with someone that can transform our lives, even if it doesn't lead to committed relationship or sexual pleasure, says Hooks. The myth of true love 
is often carried from childhood into adulthood, leading to difficulties in coping with the reality of a deep and intense connection that may not lead to an ongoing relationship. In truth, true love is about work, and our relationships have their ups and downs. The foundation of true love is the assumption that we want to grow and expand, to become more fully ourselves, which can be challenging and even feel threatening. And that right there is one of the important lessons I'll carry with me as I enter the next phase of my adult life, marriage. Hooks also cites John Wellwood, who in Love and Awakening, discovering the sacred path of intimate relationship, distinguishes between heart connection and soul connection. A heart connection, which is a feeling of attraction we all experience, is different from a soul connection. A soul connection is a resonance between two people who respond to the essential beauty of each other's individual natures, behind their facades, and who connect on a deeper level. This mutual recognition ignites a powerful bond, a sacred alliance that empowers both partners to uncover and achieve their fullest potential. Usually, a deeper bonding with another person, a soul connection, happens whether we will it to be or not. Often, we are drawn towards someone without knowing why, even when we do not desire contact. At least, that's what Hook says. Again, true love is all about work, and it is not always easy or simple. When it happens, individuals usually feel in touch with each other's core identity. And the essence of true love is mutual recognition. It is a different story because individuals usually feel in touch with each other's core identity. Embarking on such a relationship is frightening precisely because we feel there is no place to hide. We are known, and all the ecstasy that we feel emerges as this love nurtures us and challenges us to grow and transform. Hooks says true love is a peculiar kind of insight through which we see the wholeness that the person is, at the same time totally accepting the level on which they now express themselves, without any delusion that the potential is a present reality. In true love, we commit to being changed, to being acted upon by the beloved in a way that enables us to be more fully self-actualized. Most of the time, we think that love means just accepting the other person as they are. We cannot change someone, mold them, and make them into the ideal beloved we might want them to be. But when we commit to true love, we are committed to being changed, to being acted upon by the beloved in a way that enables us to be more fully self-actualized. The poet Rainer Maria Rilke, I'm sorry if I botched that last name, wisely observed that the essence of true love is work, and that love, just because it is extreme happiness, can be nothing else but work. Love is real, and everyone wants it, even those who have given up hope, 
However, the truth that many of us cannot grapple with is that not everyone is ready for it. See, before meeting my partner, I actually had given up hope of finding true love. I was, as I told him, ready to throw the proverbial towel. In retrospect, though, I was just not ready for love. True love appears only when our hearts are open and ready to receive it, says Hooks. At the end of the chapter, she talks about how she had a cancer scare, and it made her realize that she was not ready to die because she had not yet experienced true love. She decided to open her heart and commit herself to love, and it came. Although that relationship didn't last forever, the transformative force of the love continued to influence her life. She says many people turn away from true love because it requires hard work and healing. Some men, in particular, choose power over love and emotionally withhold themselves while still receiving love from someone else. To know and keep true love, she says we must be willing to surrender the will to power. When we love fully and deeply, we put ourselves at risk of being changed utterly. Love transforms our ideas, desires, and actions, and welding them together in one experience and one living reality, which is a new version of ourselves. However, we often run away from the new us. Being in a romantic relationship gives us a special opportunity to transform ourselves in a joyful environment. It connects us with another soul, making us bold and courageous. By using that fearless will to bond and connect, we can choose and commit ourselves to true love. A love that lasts and is stronger than death. Thanks for joining me in this episode of A Feminist in Progress. If you find value in what I do, consider giving a voluntary donation through the PayPal and GCash details in the episode description. Another way to support the show is by following us on social media at Feminist in Progress Pod on Instagram or a Feminist in Progress Podcast on Facebook. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or by sharing links to the episode with someone you know would benefit from the podcast. Until next time, remember that when it comes to true romantic love, it's about progress, not perfection.